0: Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown.
1: Hey, Mike. I, I can't see clearly. Is that a lightning bolt on your shirt? You're damn right it is, Otil. This is Section 119. Hey, guys, we just got our hands on some great new gear from an officially licensed partner of the Grateful Dead, Section 119.
2: Oh, yeah, Section 119. They sent me a pair of board shorts. They're actually really cool. I actually uh, wore them on stage, and uh, they were really comfortable. You know, I live in board shorts in Florida, so that's kind of my jam. And uh, these have a cool print on them. Bertha's on there and the roses and stuff.
1: I really like them. I got one of the performance polos with the Grateful Dead bolt embroidered in the chest. It's super stretchy, and I love the way it feels when I'm on stage wearing it. I feel like I'm representing the dead and rocking out some jokes in style.
2: Section 119 was started by a couple of fans who wanted more than a lot to to show their appreciation for the Grateful Dead. They started an apparel line that has everything
1: you can imagine to represent the band at every occasion. And not just the Dead, they've got some amazing fish duds as well. From button downs with dancing bears all over it to board shorts with super vibrant prints and donuts all over your shirts and socks. They've got something for every fan for any occasion. If you're looking
2: for more than a t-shirt to celebrate the Grateful Dead, the folks at Section 119
1: make the highest quality apparel. Boogie on over to section119.com and use code Time. That's all one word, comes a time for 15% off your next purchase. Hey, this is O'Teal. If you're liking what you're hearing,
2: head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus
1: pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of Comes the Time. That's O'Teal.
2: That's Mike. We had a great one today, didn't we?
1: My yeah. birthday podcast. It's your birthday. Happy birthday, O'Teal. I'm eating cake. You're eating cake. That looks. That's a delicious looking cake.
2: It is so, a really tall, like, I don't know how I'm going to finish all this. Are
1: you a chocolate? Are, is that your go-to? Like, if you could pick a cake, is that your cake chocolate?
2: Yeah, just default. Yeah. I'm—I don't know. I change with things, but yeah, chocolate. Uh, I'm not a cake person, really. Like, but my favorite thing is orange sherbet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a candy guy, you know. I'm not like, it. but if I'm gonna have candy, I like dark chocolate. If I'm gonna do cake, let's play it safe, and yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go with chocolate.
1: It's hard to dose sherbet too. So I was
2: afraid to uh-huh. eat this for the record for the fans <laughs> because.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God, your face was fucking hysterical.
2: <laughs> the cake came while we were doing the podcast. We do the intros after we do the podcast. And so the cake came while we were doing the podcast. And I was like, mm, yum, yum. And I was like, oh, wait, I can't eat this cake. It might have come from the band. <laughs> like, so then I was like, no, I think my wife, I think this is my wife. You know." So we're going to find out in about 20 really? minutes. Happy birthday from Ken Babs what the fuck and
1: <laughs> yeah, find some in the cake like a little fortune yeah. cookie. <laughs> oh. oh that's great well we had a, uh, this wasn't an incredible one but Oteal before that and Eric pop on let's say our our love to Oteal we love you so much and it's an absolute honor to do this too. podcast oh, with yeah, you you're, you're you're a okay, you're a brother to you. me. And uh, you're there for me anytime I need you. We talk, we bullshit. We, I mean, you're, you're literally, you make life better. So just thank you for being in mine. And uh, it's an absolute thrill to do this podcast with you. And uh, I love you.
2: Thank you. And I love both you guys so much, man. Seriously. Woo, we've gotten each other through some the crazy stuff. Yeah. What's crazier than this last year and yeah. a half. So yeah, thank you too. Both of you, man. Of course. Of course.
1: We just hope your birthday is the greatest. And uh, it's a bummer we can't see you, so we had to send you a dosed cake. But, you know, the (laughs) thing that's... (laughs) Today's today's episode was... Do you want to say anything, Eric, before? Sorry for uh, uh, fanboying you every time you're on tour. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding? I love it. It's so
2: funny, like, being back on tour now. My texts, like, just light up after... On the bu- when I get back on the bus, so you start hearing whoop, whoop, my little alert. It's so funny. So I get instant reviews, which is good. Yeah. Like to know.
1: Yeah.
2: My wife, my, so- my wife
1: keeps yelling at me. She's like, "Don't send that! Don't send that!" I'm like, "You're
0: down in half." I done- I mentioned two songs.
2: <laughs>
1: like,
3: don't send that. I'm like, she doesn't care. I swear.
2: No, he's cool, it. man. I mean, it's so funny because, but I don't mind it. I love it. There's, it's, it gives okay. me lots of joy.
1: <laughs> well, you're the best. Uh, today on the podcast, we had Adam Bramlage, and I apologize, Adam, if I'm saying it wrong. I think Bramlage is right. Is that right? I
2: think that's correct. I'm bad mm-hmm.
1: at, I'm bad at names. Uh, the founder and coach at Flow State Micro, and he joins us to talk about uh, microdosing coaching. The uh, benefits, the myriad of um, benefits that he's seeing across the board from professional athletes to mothers to folks with brain injuries to folks with our critic that's a little too loud. So I love the fact that he joined us. And and I really think that it's it's cool to recognize that he is a very integral link on this chain of psychedelic, you know, researchers and, um, you know folks that are keeping the ball in the air.
2: Yeah. And he was really insightful. And, uh, just, uh, I think he's, uh, he has that pioneer spirit that yeah. definitely, you know, all of our favorites had Stamets and Doblin and Fadiman and all of them, you know? And, uh, so he really, I, I like that he knows about the scientific research. The thing that got him started was Johns Hopkins, mm. you know, and really studying the research that they had done but then also just in practice you know he's was treating some of these athletes on the down low professional yeah. athletes and um and it's working yeah so he's able to confirm and he's just got a great
1: vibe i really like his vibe
2: yeah you i'm know? a little
1: jealous of his hair but it was <laughs> you know i mean he didn't have to make it that high but hey
2: it's okay. Yeah. Cause water is his kryptonite. We know his secret. <laughs> yes, that's
0: right. I'm going to hit him with a hose. Next <laughs>
1: <time>. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Adam. You're, you're incredible. And uh, everybody check out his uh, website, flow state micro. Correct. Eric. Yes. All information state
2: will be micro. below in the link too.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And we'd like to thank you all for listening and taking this journey with us. And uh, you know, for everybody that's out there on tour, uh, be safe. Be considerate of each other. You know, we gotta we gotta fix this goddamn situation. Our, together. We can't do it. people
2: results. knew what we're going through on tour, what our crew is going through on it's tour to breathe, because you know, one positive test, it's over. We're all I going mean, home for at least fourteen
1: with, days. Saw it with panic. We saw oh, it and a bunch of bands. Band, yeah, a bunch of yeah, bands
2: one are... band after another. And I really, I mean, it's. You know, I'm here on my birthday. I mean, thank God for the podcast. Once again, you guys are getting me through a lonely day. You know, of course. But they. um, this is it's tough, man. Our uh, Mimi, she's she does so many different things for us. It's unbelievable, and she's just she's just as tough as they come. Yeah. And someone told me she just was like just having a moment, you know, where it's just overextend it, you know, yeah. so our crew is working really hard. Please be careful and, and just do a little bit. Some people are doing a whole lot to make sure we can continue to bring this music. So uh, please just do the little stuff, you know, it ain't that hard, man.
1: We love you. Thank you. O-T-L. Yeah, and everyone, we're on Osiris, home to so many great podcasts, osirispod.com. Check all of us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash comes the time pod. And many, many thanks to uh, Garcia Family Provisions and Garcia Handpicked for sponsoring us and uh, providing such decoratively ornately packaged um, cannabis products like Garcia – picks that are gummies that my are really gummies great. might
2: be coming today for my birthday Yeah,
1: buddy well blow out that candle <laughs> and maybe they'll be there so go to garciahandpick.com everybody uh we love you thank you so much for uh being here with us and uh everyone wish oteal a collective happy birthday five weeks late because that's <laughs> probably when this is coming out <laughs> maybe by then he'll be coming down from that cake <laughs>
4: how long do you have to hang in your hotel before you go to the the stadium is it all day you're locked up in there
2: oh yeah yeah Uh days and days i mean we have we're gonna have four days off at one point you know we we routinely have two days off in a row it's a little, little rough right now. <laughs> I tell everyone I feel like Julian Assange right now, but I do have it better than him.
1: Well, sure. and going from stage to bus to hotel, and then being in the silence from being in the loud. It's yeah, that's a that's a shock to the system, huh?
2: I mean, it's you know, it's all it's normally lonely as it is, you know. Now it's just like super lonely but you know i have a bunch of new stuff to practice and um so i'm gonna be a lot better bass player when this tour is over <laughs> and be like damn matilda's eating some wheaties or some shit you know <laughs> you it's, it, it's, it's hard but uh hey thank god we could still do this too yeah absolutely. yeah and thank
4: you, <laughs> YouTube. You your podcast has helped so many people, including myself, through this uh, this essential lock-in. You know, we've all been isolated.
2: Yeah, I guess uh, what you're doing right now is really helping people. <laughs>
1: Let's hear about what you're people doing.
2: people that, that can get the help. You know, where it's uh, been legalized. But yeah, tell us about like what it's been like for you, like through the pandemic. People got to be clamoring.
4: Yeah, I would say more than anything, the pandemic has uh, has sent more people my way and has had more people looking for alternative m- medications and ways to treat their depression and anxiety and unease about everything COVID related. Um, so more than anything, people have become empowered and they have found out more about psychedelics and, and microdosing. And uh, yeah, I've seen it take off like a wildfire. Um, much like California burning right now, because people, people need something, you know, they need something that works for them. And a lot of people have tried antidepressants, they work for some people, but for some people they don't work. So what's been amazing with guiding people in microdosing is a lot of people are finding um, that they're actually doing some real healing, that they're actually treating the conditions that they're wanting to treat. They're actually getting better. Um, And then further down the road, they're not needing to microdose as much. So the whole idea of microdosing is kind of the opposite spectrum of Western medical, big pharma, seven days a week. Um, And I think that's a really great model to teach and empower people with. So more than anything, I've become more popular with the whole lockdown and and COVID and people researching how to boost their immunity.
1: Yeah, because you see, you know, you're locked down and you have to spend time with yourself. And you have two roads you can take, right? You can have the blame everybody else road and not look at yourself, or you can put on the scuba gear and tie an ankle, tie a weight to your ankle and dive deep and figure out how to, you know, learn how to breathe again. And that's, that's gotta be, you know, I mean, no better time to do it. Right.
4: Absolutely. And I like to say that you know self love is a side effect of microdosing so what i've noticed in my own journey and with the people i work with is we're isolated so no better time than now to look at ourselves and to go within and to do the work and that's what's been so amazing for me and and for clients is that you start to really build this self love you start to let go of maybe the victim story that you carried and you start to look at things differently and i think that there is a whole rewiring process that's going on in the brain, specifically with psilocybin and lion's mane. Um, You know, we've heard uh, Paul Stamets talk about it at length. And microdosing Mm -hmm. is, in my opinion, growing new neural pathways. It's improving neuroplasticity. It's increasing neurogenesis. Um, And this is unlike anything we've really ever seen. You know, we need things that grow the brain. We need things that could potentially one day treat Alzheimer's and dementia. So, What's amazing is people have been alone, but the microdosing has really helped them to fall in love with themselves, to become their own best friend, um, and to stop looking outside of themselves for fulfillment. And I think that that's where we all fail in relationships. You know, I'm divorced. I've failed in relationship. And I think we never learn to love ourselves before we go out there and we look for love in another person. So what the microdosing is really showing me and the people I work with is you've got to have that relationship with yourself first. If you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else, and and that's why it's been a, a, a opportunity in this pandemic for people to really do some deep inner self work and healing.
2: If you take that intention into it, um, it's 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 kind of the opposite of what uh, our Western medicine does, which is really to treat the symptom. Yeah, and this is like you know if you have that intention that. We're gonna get to what the the root cause of the anxiety is and deal with that, then you know, so it's a it's a it's a, it seems like a way bigger opportunity. But also it's probably scary for some people. I mean, some people would rather probably just take a pill and kind of numb over it, which mm-hmm. is why I think they think psychedelics is like, oh, we're just gonna do, we're gonna party. It's like, no, man, we're trying to get in there. <laughs> you know, dig up old skeletons and stuff. I yes, love, when, so-
1: I love when people say that psychedelics like are a party. It's like, what kind of fucking parties are you going to? <laughs> I take them
4: and it's like, it's work, dude. It's it's real work, you know, and Stan Grof yeah. said that they're non-specific amplifiers, right? So yeah, on the lines of what Otiel is saying is that a lot of people bury their trauma and their emotions. And sometimes our trauma is buried by our brain to protect us. And we might not even remember that trauma. So even in these small micro doses, psilocybin or LSD is like a spotlight on the shit you're failing to look at, right? Right. And forces you to look at it. Whereas a lot of times with uh, Western medicine, or even in my own life with cannabis, it was like a bandaid over the wound. You know, it helped me, like Oteo said, it, it numbed me. You know, antidepressants. A lot of people say it just gets me through the day, um, and and that were, was the kind of thing that I was seeing in Western medicine. Whereas, in the psychedelic model, whether it's large or small doses, it really is work. This is not a party. No. Um, anybody yeah, yeah. that's taken a proper dose knows that this is not a party. It's deep spiritual work. And what's amazing is I'm finding that even in these small doses these microdoses that people can amplify these hidden traumas see them accept them and really begin to work on them so it's like a microscope or a spotlight that's showing you exactly what you need to do
1: and, and what i have found in any experience i've had with microdosing is that it's not what you feel it's what you don't um and i think that's been important because it's you almost kind of like realize that reality still occurs without those gripping a thought Chris Farley in Tommy Boy does it perfect where he's like trying to explain to the waitress like how he ruins his sale and he goes like let's pretend this little roll is my sale and i pat it and i massage it and then i choke it and like the bread goes everywhere <laughs> it's like i ruined my sale but it's that's the way that like anxiety you choke every thought like, you're like, what are, what, why are you here? Like, why can't I trust you? You know? And it's like, you almost kind of like meet every thought with aggression. Whereas with any type of microdosing I've ever felt, it's like everything, it's like just flows the way any thought would flow. And it doesn't get that tail or that adherence, that stickiness that can sometime last days when you're in like the throes of a real depression or panic attack. Where one thought will throw you into a complete tailspin for weeks, and it seems like microdosing almost kind of helps, like just let everything get what it deserves and on with the day, you know. And that's pretty interesting.
4: Yeah, and I'm thinking it's that whole default mode network and the idea of ruminating thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And. And it's like the snowball rolling downhill with every negative thought, it gets bigger. And after 40 years of wrong thinking, it's tough to stop that, right?
3: Yeah. But microdosing
4: for me is it allowed me to stop that. In my mind, it's kind of blocking the default mode network, blocking the old ways you used to think about it, creating new neural pathways where you can look at your problems, maybe your traumas, maybe your life completely differently and from a new space. And I think that that's what's so powerful about. Microdosing potentially to replace something like antidepressants is people have they get in touch with their feelings, they do the work, and they're actually rewiring their brain to think differently. You know, it's the whole idea where uh, uh, psychedelics are like shaking up the snow globe in your brain, and we all need to be shaken up every now and then.
2: Where can you go to have someone guide you through this? Because, you know, in most places, um, now, I mean. Cannabis got a head start on mushrooms, obviously, but you know, a lot of people don't even have the option. You know, it's like, sure, I could find some mushrooms, but then I don't have anybody to, like a therapist. You know, where where can they turn for that kind of resource?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I just released a 14 episode online course with Double Blind called How to Microdose. And we dive really deep into all of that information. We look at the differences between LSD microdosing and psilocybin microdosing. We break down the dosages, what to expect, what to do on day one, how to track your results with the journal. So, right now, we are in this place Mm -hmm. where it's becoming decriminalized in areas, but it's still not legal for me to provide it. So what I have to do yeah. is turn into the role of the educator and provide for people safe and reliable education so that they can safely and effectively try this on their own. And more than anything, you know, even uh, looking at YouTube and watching videos of Dr. Fadiman or Paul Stamitz's talks on microdosing, that's really the only place that you can find information right now. Um, We're hoping when COVID slows down that in-person conferences will be back and that type thing. But right now online is where you can get the most education and guidance. Um, And there'll be a link to the class in in the show notes for people who are interested. But microdosing psychedelics is something that you can do wrong. So it's not something that you want to hop into with with no guidance.
2: Especially just dosage wise. I mean, you know. (laughs)
1: I can imagine LSD too being like, that's a harder, you know, you're dealing with liquid and you're dealing with like that to me is always, I've had some of my hardest trips on mushrooms, but, and a tiny bit, but definitely I'd be nervous to try to become a, you know, like, like balance out water and distill and dilute and fucking no way. Yeah, Yeah. That shit's scary to me, dude.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the big difference um, that I see between LSD and psilocybin. LSD is more of an outward focused, energetic, get shit done, voting for 16 hours, writing comments, (laughs) writing your screenplay, whereas psilocybin is more of an inward journey in my personal opinion, more of doing the inner work, inner healing, stuff like that. Empathy, connection to nature. But in the dosing, LSD is a lot harder to dose than psilocybin. And you got to be really, really careful with that, especially when it's in liquid form. I mean, you've heard the stories from the dead lot of people getting puddled and all this crazy story. you got to be really, really careful with LSD, um, which is why I'm a proponent mostly for microdosing mushrooms because you can really dry out your mushrooms, you can weigh them out into milligrams, and you can know exactly what you're getting um but you do bring up a good point hotel which is what's the difference between a microdose and a mini dose and a lot of people are probably taking more than they should and thinking that it's actually a microdose
2: yeah I'm for sure they are <laughs> it was like well i'm not tripping that hard like man <laughs> yeah i think more. if you're feeling it at all you probably took too much
1: that's the thing <laughs> yeah. right adam that's yeah. If you're feeling I mean, if you... it, basically, you're kind of you're well, that, you're... this is a great
4: question. It's something I want to talk about, because for years, Dr. Fadiman used the word subperceptual, And lately, when we've been talking mm. with him, we've been deciding that we're not going to use that word anymore, because the mm. honest, the honest truth is it can be perceptual. And for a lot of people, it is perceptual. The key parts to remember, yeah. on, it's sub hallucinatory meaning you're not having Uh, hallucinations, right? You're not having classic psychedelic effects. You know, there's not flying through the room. The carpet's not all trippy. If you're having perceptual (sighs) changes, that's a mini dose. That is not a micro dose. But I want to be clear that you may notice something. It may be a little perceptual. I know there are days where if I stack it with exercise or I'm outside, I definitely might feel it a little bit more. Yeah. But it's never anything where my anxiety has risen to the point where I'm uncomfortable. And that's usually a good way to gauge if your dose is too high. Is if your anxiety <laughs> yeah. is and you don't want to be social and you want to hide, too high mini dose. If you're feeling more yeah. social and you want to hang out, probably in the microdose range.
1: You know, and and while we're talking about perceptual and I'm going to sound like a Broken. I'm going to sound like the default mode network here, a broken record. If you're used to feeling panicky, if you're used to feeling in your own mind, if you're used to feeling condescending towards yourself, and now you're not, that is a perceptual experience. The lack of feeling what you normally feel is a feeling. And it's a, it's a, a game changer of a feeling. When, like, it's weird to, you know, if anyone ever did any extreme sports or ski, you know, whatever, and, like, if you're thinking about, the you know, your, your run down the mountain, you're probably going to fall. But when you get into that state of just kind of, like, going with it, and if your day can feel like that, I think sometimes that anxiety is, the, is more of an intoxicant or more of a, a you know, under the influence type thing than a small amount of psychedelics, because drive around anxious, drive around on three cups of coffee anxious, you might as well have smoked meth, you know, you think everyone's out to get you. You think, so the idea of anything that can take away what is already, you know, blurring your vision that is in itself a, you know,
2: it reminds me of, uh, improvising, uh, which totally gets to the name of your company flow state, because, you know, that's where you're trying to get in. You're right. When you're, if you, if you think you've interrupted the flow state and now you're off and now you got to go, okay, let me get back in. All right. I'm back (laughs) in, I'm back in. Don't think (laughs) you can't even think. Don't think you just got to. So I love that name for the company because it's like, it really, it just zeroes right in on what you're trying to get back to.
4: Yeah. And, you know, more than anything, musicians like yourself and improv musicians and jam musicians, they do get into flow state quite often. And and they've always inspired me, people like yourself, the way that you can improvise through a jam and it's like some other power is playing through you. And it's that next level of not thinking anymore, um, which is getting out of that default mode network, being only in the present moment, which is all we have now is all we have and being fully present. And that's what life is, is being able to be fully present. Now, the problem is we carry so much anxiety. And what psilocybin and microdosing has showed me is we're carrying intergenerational trauma and anxiety. Some of this stuff we're carrying is probably going all the way back to our grandma, our great-grandma, stuff like that, you know? And what I think the psilocybin is doing is it's helping me to acknowledge that this isn't mine to carry and that I can let it be and that I can move on. And I was telling Mike the other day about this uh, mouse study they did, where they had the first generation of mice, and every time it smelled lavender, they would shock it. And then the second generation of mice, when they smelled lavender, they would start shaking in a fear response, but they wouldn't shock them. They tested the third and the fourth generation, both of them had a fear response to lavender, and that's as far as they they tested. So it's feasibly possible- That that we're passing on a lot of this stuff in our DNA. I know for myself, yeah, I I had always a fear of water, getting wet, getting my hair wet. It's the weirdest Mm -hmm. shit, but it's my mom's fear. She hates getting her hair wet. She hates swimming. It's like I have to sometimes remind myself I'm, (laughs) I'm fucking carrying fears that are not mine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's
2: interesting. the a guest we had on Mike that we're talking about that they were analyzing generational trauma. Cause we were talking about the Holocaust and slavery or just whatever happened to your oh. particular family. Was it and Rick? like you're maybe it was Rick Doblin. And we were just like, wow. I mean, it isn't ours to carry, right? Like you don't even know, man. And we yes. have whole Our whole society is like walking around with all this.
1: Dude. It's kind stuff. of interesting. <laughs> it, and, and when you, when you said that about the, the mice and, you know i had family that would like that they would walk into a room and scan the room and immediately find something to create a worst case scenario about and <laughs> and like totally ruin the vibe like they'd go up oh, nope that that water that that pot handle should not be out because god forbid somebody knocks that onto the dog and now the dog's burnt and we got to get in the car and you know how traffic is on a sunday and you know of course, we're gonna have to wait for hours at the fucking vet, and it's like now we're already like mad about the wait at the vet. No one spilled any water, <laughs> but it's just that thing of going in and seeing it, and then your kids see you do that, and then your kids or you are doing just that, and you move can move
2: the pot or you can just leave the
1: room. <laughs> I mean, just I'd, just stop well, I stop coming to that my a kitchen.
2: Lot. <laughs> look for it with kids. Look, I know, it, I know, all day long. I'm like, oh, there's something bad waiting to happen, but I just go fix it. Yeah, just go. Oh, all right. and it's just something about it. go. Hey, just try to remember to blah, blah, blah. She does it for me. So right. you're just always like adjusting for the future. <laughs> yeah. But without the whole like just, ah, da, 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 you
1: know, yeah, like, you end up in a wormhole of just of, of anxiety. And then you but as <laughs> like, that's the lavender, right? And you're the mouse going anytime yeah. anything happens, yep. I'm going to expect the worst. But here's even that specific thing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, totally. What the
4: psilocybin reminds me of though, is this isn't ours to carry and it's been programmed into you and your family for generations. You know, this whole idea of anxiety and stress and, and worry could go back to fight or flight when we were cavemen and we had to say, I mean, who knows, but it's not really ours to carry. And so many people, spend so much time worrying about the future or the past that they're never in flow state. And if you're not in flow state, you can't enjoy your life because you're not living in the present moment. Yeah.
2: See, to me, I think this is one thing I want to zero in on too. That when we talk about the flow state, you said, you know, when you see musicians play, they're tapping into some power, right? I think it's the power call it what you will, but something is making us all go. Like we all wake up. There's some on switch that we have all flipped on and the current's running through us. So whatever that is, we deserve it as much as anybody else because it's running us. Mm. And that's the thought that I keep coming back to is like, I, I do deserve to just be in the moment. So it's not just playing. Like everything is the flow state. Like we, the playing is just like an analog, you know, where we could go, okay, so I should be able to do that just sitting here, either completely still with my eyes closed, meditating or just walking or whatever, cleaning the room. I literally try to do that when I just go, okay, fold clothes, just, you know, mow the lawn, make rows, just mm. get in the flow state of whatever it is that you're doing. And it'll be more enjoyable. And it's just taking out that part that I don't deserve it part. I don't know where that, and maybe some of that's generational, but you got to get that stuff out, man. And that's what I'm hoping people can see that psychedelics is, that's what we're getting at with it.
1: Yeah. Just to help
2: get that out. Yeah. You have the power and you already, it's running you. You deserve it. Just let the rest of it go,
4: but it's easier said than done, you know?
1: Well, Go, Adam go ahead and I want to add something to what yeah what I mean
4: I said. Look, look at what the boy scout motto is it's prepare for the worst right isn't that the boy scout motto or something like that mm, be, like, prepared. Be, prepared be prepared or something like that prepare for the worst would be a way that yeah. I would describe you know my upbringing to some extent having a mother that was an emergency room nurse you know and it's like mine too you're yeah. too yeah I had to realize <laughs> in my own parenting that I don't you know I don't need to carry all the fear that of the nurse that saw little children in really bad shape, you know? Right. Um, so we're used to preparing for the worst. Most families are like yours, Mike, where they're like, that, that water is going to fall on the dog, the do-, you know? So we're used to that. And I think that that's where microdosing is different as a tool than something like an antidepressant. An antidepressant numbs people, doesn't really get them in touch with what the actual issue is to their depression. Whereas the microdosing starts with self-love, self-introspection, mm-hmm. looking at yourself, getting healthier, and finally, for most people, for the first time, not thinking negatively all day long. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, I think that uh, to, to both your guys' point, it I think that experiencing that flow state moment also lets you step back from the moment. Just like you said, Otil, you can't say don't think. You just have to be and to pull yourself away from that moment you start to see that there is another side to the coin when you've only seen the one side like if you've only felt anger towards a certain person or if you have only felt resentment towards a certain experience you could start to feel pity or love or compassion where there was only anger Now there's anger and compassion or love and 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 you can go like, okay, this is giving me the chance to actually kind of almost like stop this thing as it's here. That's something that I personally have been trying to work on quite a bit is catching the emotion before the emotion catches me. And that's something that I've always been bad with, where it's like something will wrap me up and I'm like, fuck, now it's too late. It's like, it's got me tied up. It's like a wrestling match and I'm like tapping out. Where's the Xanax? Where's the beer? Where's the drugs? Where's the blaming someone else? You know? But to be able to kind of like see it, acknowledge it, and kind of go like, okay, what can I use this for instead of letting it completely kick the shit out of me for the next couple of weeks or whatever it may be. And I've had experiences, family experiences, where I'm just kind of like, I'm going to go at this with empathy instead of my default. Like, great, this old bullshit again. The old pot's going to fall on the dog thing. It doesn't have to always be that way. It helps me to go, well, I don't have to see it the way that I've always seen it. And that's an amazing experience when you've never had it before. That's crazy when you've never experienced it before. You guys had emergency room mother nurses. I've got an intensive care unit nurse wife now. And like when you see and hear what they're going through, you're like, okay, I'm It makes your anxiety kind of more like compartmentalized when before it would just completely take you over.
4: The interesting thing is I'm really excited about a time period in the future where your wife and the first responders and the people who've been risking their life in the middle of this pandemic can use psychedelics to deal with their PTSD and to deal with all of the stuff they have experienced. Because whether you're a nurse, a doctor, a police officer, an EMT, you see the most gnarliest shit on the planet. No one's made to see that stuff day in and day out. And you're not taught how to process it. Instead, you drink alcohol or you smoke cigarettes or you, you eat food. I mean, food is a huge addiction that, that people don't talk about or, or sugar. So what's great about the, the microdosing is it gets people to think differently. Like you said, if you're always used to being angry and all of a sudden, you know, your kid spills the milk and you're like, it's okay, Timmy. Let me get the towel and clean that up. That's big change. And that's what I see a lot of times.
1: Oh, Teal, if you miss a note and you're improvising and you're in that state, you don't put your bass down, right, and go, ah, fuck, this one's ruined.
2: I mean, you know. You, you can't. <laughs> you, can, you can't. I mean, you have to make – you've made the commitment once you've done it. But, I mean, you really can't agonize over the last what happened you know like last night <clears throat> last night we recreated the set that the grateful dead dead did at woodstock because we were playing right there near woodstock and bethel at bethel woods yeah <clears throat> and it was you know their original set in 69 what's <laughs> the worst they're legendary for like Whenever the big moment, you know, the end yeah, of the championship, <laughs> yeah, they completely just screw the pooch, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we wanted to, you know, Bob even said on the mic, we, w- we want to get another crack at it, you know. <laughs> so we're all fired up. And, you know, for whatever, well, probably because we haven't played in a year and a half, and there's all these little twists and turns in the songs that you forget about. The simplest song. And so I was just blowing this and blowing that, and I was like, And everything's recorded high def, right? People are paying for the streams; they paid for the cuts. It'll be there for all time. Everything (laughs) you messed up, but there was these points in the jam, in the highest flow state parts that were so cool and that were so great. And I thought, what a treat for the original guys that were then back there to get another crack at it and be in a complete. Because I kind of think. They did way too much acid at Woodstock. (laughs) I don't know. Could have had something to do with it. And, you know, this time we got to really do it. But I still went through that whole process, Mike. Like the, you know, you know, just be like, look, man, just be like a, a fish. Just keep going forward, you know?
1: <laughs> well, and also the, the the stage didn't get, uh, wasn't shocking you. And it wasn't <laughs> falling into the ground and you didn't.
2: <laughs> oh, we had great weather yesterday. It didn't start out that way. Because, you, you know, we just went through these terrible storms. The hurricane that hit the Northeast. I usually get them in Florida. You know, I leave Florida. It comes up here. It's you know, <laughs> like, man. So, yeah, we had sun yesterday. and. It was nice, man. It was really nice.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smartwool.
3: For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool.
1: Go far, feel good. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike. And I'm O'Teal. And these are our Sunset Lake CBD gummies that are almost gone. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing
2: milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified
1: and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, and hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD crafted coffee to help with stress aches and pains
2: sunset lake cbd saves you money by shipping high quality cbd products directly from their farm to your door
1: want to know what i've been using a lot of O'Teal? this salve with the arnica Uh, on on my old bones you get back from a show and you got tore ankle rub a little bit of this on there you're ready to dance the next day, and you know, S- Sunset Lake uh, comes a time listeners can visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code TIME for 20% off of their purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code TIME, and tell them we sent you. Thanks for listening. When it comes to coaching as a microdosing coach, um. W- Walk, walk us through like the beginning of that. Like when you meet with, let's say a, cause I've, I've seen interviews with you where you talk about even like professional athletes. I mean, so it's almost kind of like, I think about it like limitless a little bit, like that movie limitless where you're almost kind of steps ahead of everyone. Like, so do you basically meet with someone and go like, what's your agenda? Like, what's your goals? How can I help you? And then how's it go from there?
4: Yeah. Everything with the pandemic for the last two years or so has been over the phone. So I'll have an intake call with people. I'll talk to them, we'll go over their intentions, what they're looking for, uh, medications that they might be on, dosages, how long they've been on that. And then we really look at why they're, they're coming to microdosing. Um, once we've gone over that, I explain to them how it works, the dosages, the differences between the substances, and then I'm just more than anything there to answer any of their initial questions. Um, once they begin to microdose, I support them throughout the journey. So they're going to check in with me on day one, four or five hours in. Let me know how they're feeling. uh, Make sure that the dose we came up with for them is within their sweet spot. And it is a microdose and not a mini dose. And then I guide them throughout that week. Make sure that they have a proper protocol. Because the most important thing with microdosing and psychedelics is there is a 48-hour effect or an afterglow. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to take these every day in a row. Um, there are popular protocols out there. One is the FATIMAN protocol. That's one day on, two days off. The other is the STAMETS protocol, four days on, three off, or five on, two off. Microdosing Institute, day on, day off. And then the intuitive protocol, which is you just make it up with your intuition. Mm. You go. So I educate them on the protocols. Uh, we pick the one that might serve them the best with what they're looking for. And then I support them throughout the next month or months or however long they're going to be taking this journey.
1: And then there's the Kreutzman method, which is everyday but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it seems
4: like you would probably
2: arrive at the intuitive one eventually, uh-huh. no matter, like almost
4: across the board, right? That's exactly what happens. Thank you for bringing that up. is people will start with a normal protocol, and then they will get so in touch with their own intuition that they just develop it as they go. And what they find is you'll wake up in the morning sometimes and you'll feel so good it might be a microdose day. You go, I'm okay. I don't need it. Yeah. And then again, maybe a day comes up that's a day off in your schedule, but it's really challenging. And you microdose, that's also okay. That, that yeah. is following your intuition and
1: what you need. Now, Try I, that on Lexapro. That. Try taking right. a day off. You'll feel like you're putting your finger in an electric <laughs> socket.
2: Well, he, <laughs> well, that's the he, thing they don't talk about is like how addictive that shit is, man. Like when you go through heavy withdrawal, where it also is not phys- just physically withdraw. You're going crazy, too. Brain no.
1: zaps and all types yeah. of – it's <laughs> terrible, dude. I've been I said it on this podcast, and I'm open about it. I've been on and off SSRIs for a, a good portion of my adult life, and it's horrific getting off of it. And there's a period before – it's like quitting smoking where you go, I, I want to stop this soon, At, yeah. but not now things are too hard right now. And then you go, well, one more month. And then they, they, eat, they refill it and you're like, mm, fuck, like, Oh, what if I just take a little bit less this month, you know? And it, now you're like making deals with yourself and shit, mm-hmm. but you almost kind of have to bite your lip and sort of just go through like, all right, it's going to be two weeks of weird feelings in my brain and shit. Then it's, you know, it, when you
2: explained the brain zap to me, I was like, what is that? I was like, Oh
1: man, dude, that's, That's out there. It's like static electricity. It's like get like rubbing your feet on the carpet and touching them, you know, and you get that. But it's like in your it's not something that I think you should be feeling. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's (laughs) really not. But, you know, the Um, thing that's so important about someone like you, Adam, is that like this is the next generation of psychedelic frontiersmanship and guidance and like Really taking the time to do the stuff. Look, Keezy poured acid into buckets of Kool-Aid and Leary did what Leary did and Groff did what Groff did. Everyone did what they did. Now you're doing what you're doing. And it's like super important because to to take a tiny bit of something and be able to go operate, you know, like your day as it goes, people are doing it at, you know, tech companies right basically i mean people are doing it at work people are like women going through menopause i read it's fantastic yeah. i mean no one would i mean you know if everyone listened to nixon then this shit would be you know in a jar somewhere so you're yeah. doing incredibly important generational work like you're the next what, what is link your, in the uh, chain
2: what's your origin story with that you know so-
4: yeah, so I had used psychedelics for a long time. <clears throat> I, I remember getting into uh, the Allman Brothers Fillmore East live show, and my friend Big Nads giving me a bunch of mushrooms, and then he played Mountain Jam for me. Big Nads, <laughs> <laughs> Big Nads, who is a 16 player, is guy's a beast. And anyway, when I heard that Mountain, jam, when I heard that freaking Mountain Jam on mushrooms, it changed my life. And yeah. then I got into the almonds and I saw that they were all into mushrooms. They all had the mushroom tattooed. So I was into the large doses, but I didn't understand that they were sacred. You know, I wasn't yeah. them with the teacher. Right. And then about 13 years ago, I moved to California in a VW bus that we named Stella Blue. And I came out here to trim pop and the bus broke down in Grass Valley, California. Just so happened that my buddy was managing a pop farm. I started working there and then from there I became a farmer and So I worked in the cannabis space for over a decade, and I believe very, very strongly in cannabis. Again, about three or four years ago, I was selling my cannabis companies, and I was going through a really difficult time. And I began to read what Johns Hopkins was doing with psilocybin and depression. And so I began to treat myself, and it was working. And it was like, I was the most miserable victim you could ever imagine. And yet, just a little bit of psilocybin got me out of bed, got me feeling better, got me looking at the trauma differently. And I knew that we were onto something. So I started mixing about a monthly large dose, the McKenna version of five dry grams, darkness with microdosing, And you know, the mushrooms began to share their fungal intelligence. And one of the things they Mm. said is work on yourself first. And then kind of like feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come and people will just start finding you. And Mm. they did. And it started out with my own family members working with my own mother and cousin, and and then before you know it, NHL players. And if you want to know if something works, you'll look at NHL or professional athletes because if anyone knows their body well, it's a pro athlete. So I'm very quietly under the radar working with about five guys in the NHL right now that are seeing (laughs) massive benefits from this. There are UFC fighters and MMA fighters who are saying that they can actually – see microaggressions or know the kick or punch that's coming before the person i believe it throw it um and then we also remember the story of doc ellis back in 1972 with the pirates hit an acid he had to pitch and he threw a no hitter so i think it's time we need to re-educate people that we've been taking psychedelics in small and large doses since the beginning of time and that it helped to evolve and develop our species and more than anything we were probably taking it in that hunter gatherer phase when we needed an advantage yeah. when yeah. we needed to be able to track the wounded animal for 20 miles after we got an arrow in it or when we needed to see the berries and the redness popping through the green foliage of the forest so this is something that uh, was taken away from us way back Spanish colonizers down in the Mayan and Aztec lands and yeah. was given back to us by Marie Sabina and uh, through our Gordon Wasson and Hoffman and all these great people and I'm just so excited. I am standing on the shoulders of greats. I'm talking about Dr. Yeah, Friedman, Stan Groff, Al Hubbard. We owe a big amount of thanks to Michael Pollan because his God book dear, the we mind, do. is what has changed the mind of the world on these psychedelics. And all it took was a great investigative journalist to show you all the facts. We've known since the 1950s yeah. that LSD treats alcoholism. We've known. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hoffman used to say in his last years of his life that if microdosing of LSD and psilocybin was legal, there would be no need for Adderall or Ritalin. That's and what
2: I was thinking earlier when you were talking about LSD and the difference between it and psilocybin. And I was like, the LSD is more like what, what people were trying to take Adderall and Ritalin for. W-
1: weren't we joking about that uh, one time, Adam, we were talking and we said that LSD was like sativa? Yep, And mushrooms were <laughs> <run> like <into>, indica <laughs> the yeah. psychedelics, you know, kind of, you know. Why well, did I, you
2: end up meeting Fadiman?
4: Uh That was part of a large dose mushroom journey. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I really believe there is a fungal intelligence to these mushrooms. And I, I, think, think, so that too. I think that that's why they're so healing. They're adaptogenic. And whether I'm working with yeah. a woman who's bleeding from menopause or her boyfriend with eczema, these mushrooms just know what to do. And they help the gut, they help the brain, and, and, and they reverse it for people. So I was in a large-dose journey. I had probably built up a clientele of more than 50 people. I was doing really amazing stuff, everything from TBI to a kid with autism that found it was making him more social. And What uh, is TBI? Sorry, I'm that That is traumatic brain injury. Traumatic oh. brain injury. Okay. So it was wow. a hockey player who was knocked unconscious in a fight, hit his head on the deck and became paralyzed had to learn to walk and talk really? again and the migraines from the head damage uh, was so bad he could never leave his room he couldn't be around light he couldn't put together sentences and funny enough one of my nhl guys is like Hey, i got a friend are you willing to try this and i'm like yeah let's do it and it was groundbreaking from him within uh wow. three hours i was getting texts from people about how he was able to link sentences together and how well wow. he was doing on a microdose. Um, Microdose, yeah, microdose. Wow. Not talking about a, a a large dose. And then, you know, Otil, I heard the story about well, with your father and DJing the record, yeah. and it yeah. reminded me of another person I worked with, whose father-in-law was in the nursing home <laughs> pre-COVID. He was catatonic, meaning that he's like yeah. this down, doesn't out. speak out. They gave him a microdose, yeah. telling him, "Here's your vitamin C for the day." And eyes open, head up, speaking within 25 minutes. To the point where this guy videotaped everything because people wouldn't believe it. We have it documented. Within two hours, this guy was telling them stories of the time he was six when he was at the zoo. He was like recalling crazy stuff. He even told a joke. He like had the wherewithal after being catatonic to like bust a joke out. And it was funny. (laughs) And everyone laughed. And then the next day... This guy shows up and he starts doing hand-eye coordination with him and he's juggling. And this guy's in a wheelchair juggling and talking. And then COVID broke out and they couldn't get back into the nursing home. Mm. And he just ah. began to deteriorate again. I think one of the most important areas wow. I'm about is an area that Dr. Batman <sighs> pioneered, which is the idea of using microdosing to wean off of antidepressants and other pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that they may have their biggest purpose in the future is they act as addiction disruptors. So they actually begin to make the person look at, why am I smoking this cigarette? Or why am I taking this opiate? Or why am I drinking every night? And then they begin to do work so that they aren't um, hooked into that addiction. But again, the withdrawal from antidepressants is awful, and we've seen very carefully if you taper it slowly in combination with microdosing, it can totally reduce the withdrawal and help people hmm. to get
1: off a big pharma.
2: Yeah, it makes you wonder why big pharma was so against it for so long, right?
1: When you don't need <laughs> it, right? That's the thing, right? If you need it twice, <laughs> then why? How is it profitable? you Because know?
2: see, that's if people, if we can remind people of this. So we no, we're not just like trying to push drugs. You know. Mushrooms will get you off mushrooms. <laughs> you just need to like, once you solve the problem, you just go on your merry way in your flow state. Enjoy. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> it's just really and, and especially in a time that's so polarizing and so dividing and so pick a side and stick with it, or else your ego is really going to have to take a a beating like to be able to transcend all of that and stay within that flow. Like you said, just be the fish swimming and not worry about the deer on the, on the, you know, on the land, just swim in your stream. Um, that's a very important thing to experience with existence these days. You know, I mean, and I, you said something about brain injuries, and I really have to believe with like everything that, Stamets showed during the fantastic fungi documentary and the way that mushrooms literally will just encapsulate something and regenerate it or decompress it and turn it into something like the brain and the beating that it takes professional athletes. I mean, there's gotta be some, you know, the, the, the CTE shit that's going on is a, it's an epidemic of its own. You see a guy like junior say who yeah. goes from being, you know, a completely you know, rational person, it seems to killing himself and his brain. It looked as if they had, it had growths on it. Right. I mean, I think a, a brain with CTE literally looks like it's almost, ha- almost yeah, has it looks like mushrooms growing out of it. Yeah. So <clears> if there was imagined some way of being able to let the mushrooms do what mushrooms do in the forest on a dead piece of wood on a, on a busted up piece of your brain, I mean, holy shit, they could change everything. Yeah, I mean, that's
2: why you always see with the MMA fighters. like it's, they're they're such body scientists these days. Yeah, you know, and uh, and and they experiment on themselves. It proof's in the pudding, like <laughs> you know.
1: Very true. I mean,
4: visually, visually, look at your brain, and then look at something like a lion's mane mushroom. I mean, your brain looks like a mushroom. It's a mycelial network. I mean what Stamets mentions in Fantastic Fungi is, you know, plants and animals split off from fungi millions and millions of years ago. And we are more like fungi than we are like plants. You know, we breathe in oxygen and we exhale CO2, much like a mushroom. So it's not surprising that mushrooms could have the hidden answers to all of our medical problems right now. Um, And not many people other than Paul and, and Michael Files are screaming that from the mountaintop but they did a study i think in right right uh mice or rats where they injected like let's say 12 with psilocybin and then they had 12 that were a control group a month later they looked at the brains and the ones that had gotten psilocybin had grown 10 percent more through the brain and then they're <laughs> so although we wow. can't test on human brains we know that one dose of psilocybin grows the brains in rats compared to rats that didn't get injected with psilocybin. So it's, you know, Paul Stamets also talks about a survey where they found that people who had eaten mushrooms were something like 70 times more likely not to be domestically violent with their partner. Mm-hmm. And that psilocybin and these mushrooms actually uh, help us learn empathy, right? A connection to nature, ourselves, um, our neighbors the the ones that we think are other on the other side of you know whatever the other side is so mushrooms are here to unite us to bring us back to show us that we need to get back to nature because we are nature you know Ram Das says when you hug a tree you hug yourself and that yeah. is that we so quickly forget.
1: You know I it's think just-
2: it's hard for some people because they it sounds like kind of like mystical. But it is really I mean I don't why do mushrooms do that? But they do. Maybe it's nature. I think maybe if we could uh, attach, like substitute nature for mystical, you know? Uh, I don't like know. The
1: terminology you mean?
2: Yeah, we always are hung up on these friggin' semantics, man. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, now you're talking woo woo. It's like, no, but it's real. I don't know why scientifically, like, you know, we did used to test on humans. Humans for millennia ate mushrooms. We just didn't measure it. You know?
1: Pharmaceutical companies are testing <laughs> on us now. Are you kidding? Like, you know, I mean, it's all yeah. Think about it. You watch a for some
2: people are, don't want to take the vaccine.
1: Yeah, I understand. <laughs> They're but like, also, can you be
2: the guinea pig first? <laughs> you know?
1: Watch There's it. There. Watch a pharmaceutical commercial. Now it's 75% potential side effects. The entire side thing. It's a, made, it's, a, it's, a, it's a happy song over, uh, anal bleeding and they cause (laughs) temporary blindness and, you know, all this other mushrooms seem to be a thing that, you know, I, I I don't, I don't know. It's just, they're older than us. You find that all these religious images and old Christian artwork has these giant mushrooms in the pictures (laughs) and all this. And it's like, well, you know, hate to rattle that cage, but was religion based on a psychedelic experience or what?
2: Well, just part uh, of it. You know what the I mystical, mean? Like, look, right? Look, it's, if you're, it's, it's like, what's so controversial about that? Music springs from that same place. That's what I like about Alex and Allison Gray. They say yeah. religions are misunderstood. These writings are primarily works of art. Right. So yeah, you had a psychedelic experience, which could be a dream. You don't even need to take psychedelics with it to have a psychedelic experience. We got the DMT in here inside our brains. And then you write, you write songs, you write stories, you write parables, you write, you know, whatever. And so I think it is, it's just sad because the semantics again, it's like, it sounds controversial, but it's really not, you know, it's just, it's our human state. It's our natural state to be creative and flow state and psychedelic and whatever. Like that's how, that's what how nature is. We
1: have can you get f- back to it. Have you found that it's like pretty much like a, like a across the board success rate, Adam? What, like, have you had any, you know, anyone kind of go like, nah, it's just not working for me, or?
4: Yeah, there's always people, a few people that it doesn't work for. Usually, it's people that have a whole host of other medications that are working on the same 5-HT2A receptor, and so they're not getting the benefits of psilocybin that somebody without the other meds might. Um, But across Mm -hmm. the board, this is way more successful than not. It's been way more successful than even cannabis, and I believe strongly in cannabis, but when I was working with Cannabis and people, it was probably 50 50 whether it helped them. You know, with microdosing, um, I don't have to do any advertising. So many people are changing their life that somebody's like, What are you doing differently? Mm. And then the next thing you know, that they're connected to me. And to finish, you know, the question I didn't answer, I was in a large dose journey and the mushrooms told me to go tell Dr. Fadiman what I was doing. And mm. I, I was like, I don't know where he lives or where he's at. And, and they're like, Look online. And, uh, after the journey, I got online and he was speaking the next week in Salt Lake city out of nowhere. And funny enough, I went to college in Salt Lake city and had friends there. So I'm like, this is perfect. Um, plus I didn't have my kids that week. So it was like the universe was lining me up. I flew to Salt Lake city, listened to his keynote. And when he stepped off the stage, I practically mugged the man, um, you know, just got in front of him and said, you know, Jim, I'd love to tell you what I'm doing. And I've got some amazing data and research to share with you from all these people that's help- helping. And he just uh, loved me up. And we traded info. And it turns out he lives in Menlo Park at Stanford, about two hours away. And he turned into like my closest friend and mentor. And now I probably talked to Dr. Fadiman more than anyone in my life. He's like a second father and advisor and a dear friend, um, and this all came from a swift kick in the butt by the mushroom, saying, "Go tell this guy what you're doing. Um, you're going to work together. Things are going to go well." And uh, that's basically what happened. <laughs> <He's the man. laughs> it's funny how so
2: many things go back to Stanford and Menlo Park and Palo Alto. I mean, yeah. man, it's just it's,
1: <sighs> yeah, it's something tell special you. in the area. It's terrapin,
2: there. dude. It's terrapin. Sure is.
1: It's funny. I was listening to uh, I was listening to the um, Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, which I can't recommend that yeah. book enough, because the way that he takes a look at this whole situation is what like five different perspectives. He goes the historical route. He does the first person interviews and discusses and like goes and stays with Stamets and goes hunting for mushrooms with Stamets. Then he goes and does actual guided, you know, therapeutic sessions, and then goes through the history of it and then the physiological part of it. So it's like, you actually can understand how like, and and the analogous way he writes and he narrates his own book, but yeah, the talks about Fatiman in the beginning and just kind of like the good Friday experiments and all of that. And it, it's really interesting to find out a lot of straight people, you know, your non heads that are like really experiencing the benefits of these, of these plants. And these mushrooms and these you know compounds and stuff on us, this mi- micro level, I absolutely love that it's it's happening
2: because- yeah it's like it totally took fifty years <laughs> lies, all <laughs> lies <laughs> lies yeah, it's like Jesus, man, yeah, we really.
4: We really got to give credit to the the Groffs and the Dr. Fadiman's. I mean, the thing yeah. to re- realize about Dr. Fadiman is he was into large dose journeys. You know, he had his first psilocybin journey with Ram Das when he was still yeah. Dick Albert in Paris. You know, and Paris, he, right? Yeah, he had no interest in small dose journeys, and just <laughs> happened just happened to put a little bit about it in his book, *Psychedelic Explorers Guide*. And next thing you know, he's getting inundated with thousands and thousands of emails. And, you know, a lot of people aren't really hopping on the bandwagon. And yet here is this guy who's just been saying for 12, 13 years, Hey, I get emails every day that this works for people. We need to look at it. And I guess for me, what I realized is there are a lot of people that can't wait for the FDA to approve this. There are a lot of people that loved ones are in really bad shape and they don't have the time. And, If we can safely and reliably educate them on what we know, what we've gathered in the last 13 years, then they're more likely to have a successful experience. And, you know, these psychedelics were made illegal by a man, you know, which is pretty laughable. And and Dr. Fadiman often says Mm -hmm. mushrooms don't know they're illegal. <laughs> That's a great if, point. If, yeah. yeah. If That's you look back point. to the roots of Christianity in the new book, The Immortality Key, you know, they were drinking irgat in these psychedelic ceremonies, everyone from Socrates to Plato. It's where they had the vision of democracy. And what mm-hmm. did they do? They they banished all written records of that. They scratched the faces off of all the mushroom efficacies in, in the Greek lands. And how did we finally prove it? with DNA analysis of the goblet. Mm. There's no way you can lie that we found your godamine in these goblets, right? Yeah. So the truth should be told. We've been eating yeah. these things since time immemorial. It's probably <laughs> what helped us evolve so quickly. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well it's it's the time has come, man. Thank God. I mean I I think these guys are so heroic what they Yeah man live through institutionally that was against them, you know, purposefully a full on conspiracy mm-hmm. on every level, you know, media, government, local police, all oh. the way up to the attorney general. Yeah. Legal system, the ju- everything against them. And they prevailed. And still, I mean, think how the the, pharma- the meetings happening at these pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> They're like, boys, you know, the clock is ticking. We're. We're finished. So what are we gonna do? I feel like it must be how the oil companies feel. Like, look, man, you know, this party's over. Yeah, you know, we made our trillions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you
1: know. Well, and, and, and you know what else too? From like a philosophical standpoint, the thing that I really, really took from "How to Change Your Mind" was this idea and this notion that a lot of these coaches or guides or therapists give to the folks who are taking the psychedelics and it's that when you're in that moment and you approach, you are like approached by some, your fear, don't run from it, run through it. And that's the thing that flow is all about. That's the thing that improv is all about. That's what love is all about, right? It's like, we all have the fear of being hurt. We all have the fear of hurting someone else. We all have the fear of fucking up. But if we run through that, That's the only way to get to the other side, you know. And that's like Yoda when he took Luke Skywalker to the cave. He was like, you know,
2: before you can go on to the to before you can graduate and break through, got to go in there, dude. And I can't go with you. You know, (laughs) luckily Adam can go with you. You know,
4: (laughs) Adam can go. Yoda's gonna leave your ass.
1: (laughs) We'll call Adam Broda.
4: Broda, Broda's with you. And what Broda would say is you gotta face that dragon out in the world instead of leading them back to your lair. Because it's a much harder battle if you're fighting them in in your cave. So go out and face them. And you know, that's the great thing about guiding larger dose journeys, is they tell you, they inform you. If you see a door, open it. If you see stairs, go up them. If you're starting to die, Go into it. You're not going to die. I'm watching your yeah. body. You're going to be fine. No one dies from this. And, and that's <laughs> the support people need. I know that uh, I went to a fish show years ago and someone gave me that goo and it was way more concentrated than I thought. And it, oh it, boy. Woo, I had to like walk the halls of Bill Graham and like hang out in the bathroom just to stay in my body. So you <laughs> have to be really careful where you take it. Who's giving it to you? How's going?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, (laughs) I do the goo. I do that little. It's like the size of a booger. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, well, I can't even
1: imagine, like, if you just took a bite off. That's the thing. That's the thing, too, about, about having a coach or knowing what. See, I don't think there's anything at all wrong. I hear people go, like, macro all the time, blah, blah, blah. Listen. I remember being in a parking lot at a fish show and a guy walked by with mushrooms and there was like five or six, of five of us. And I was like, we'll take a half ounce that figure in me, you know, a little less than an eighth each. And he goes, absolutely not. He goes in good conscience. I can't give you more than an eighth for like the, for you to split. And I was like, dude, we're all big, we're all big boys. Like we know we'll sign off on it. Come on. And he goes, Nope. And he gave us like, a little bit more than an eighth, maybe like whatever. And we passed the bag around and I got the end of it. And I kind of eh, I, I ate <laughs> the dust in the bottom of the bag. And let me tell you the, the freak out that I had. I was standing in the parking lot and all of a sudden the parking lot turned into graph paper. And it was like that topographic. <laughs> like I was like oh, literally standing in like an accountant's ledger book. Like I'm just looking at like like graphs. And it was that sky was yellow and the sun was blue shit started yeah, to come exactly. into a real, you know, and I was walking through conversations and I was bringing little pieces of conversations <laughs> that I heard with me into this, like, like Ferris wheel of conversations. Like, Be yeah, dude, hey, bro. State. Like, Yeah, a little too much. Get me out of it. And I, uh, I was walking with a friend and, uh, I was like, dude, I'm not doing good. And he didn't eat them, but he's a scientist. And he was like, well, you ingested poison. And now the poison's entering into your system and you need to eliminate the poison. And I was like, eliminate the poison. Like, that's all I could hear. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I just want to go see a fish concert. Dude, like, I was going through this, like, it was like I was walking the plank to like, a, like, a, like an ocean of fire, you know? And I'm standing there where everybody cattle calls into the show. And I thought I was holding a railing. Turns out there was no railing. I was just walking like this. <laughs> And I was thought I was going to pass out. So I took my water bottle and I held it like this and I was like pouring it and I closed my eyes and I thought I was in like a Costa Rican waterfall, never took the lid off the bottle. So I'm just standing among people with a water bottle turned upside down and they're all like, what the fuck is up with this guy holding the imaginary railing?
0: And uh,
1: I got in, dude, I handed the guy my ticket and my ticket was like just going limp. It was like a flaccid ticket. (laughs) <laughs> and that sent me on some like don't go in here, whatever. And I got in and I ran right to the bathroom and and just like eliminated the poison. I puked everywhere. Ah, well, good. and then I had and then I had the most profound like talk about seeing the music and all of that stuff. Like literally, <laughs> like the the I was seeing the, the the lights and the hearing the lights and all that. And uh, one of the most unbelievable experiences. <laughs> but that half hour walk to the from the car was quite possibly the most terrifying thing but I, I thought about turning around and running to the car and just like
0: drinking it run. off
1: but something was pushing yes nowhere to run <laughs> someone was pushing me from behind going like just see this through man and my it was, favorite
2: part is the railing wasn't there but it did steady
1: <laughs> the railing was not there dude i was it holding just, it I was it walking steady like, though it sure did <laughs> <laughs> the cosmic railing, man. I just oh, holding on to that shit. Well,
4: Mike is sharing this story with all your listeners, so you know that, you know, you gotta oh. be careful with large doses. You gotta be
1: careful. <laughs> yeah, that's
4: my point. It's and funny. not
1: even that large, dude. It was the bottom of a friggin' bag. But and I yeah.
2: love that that guy was like, it ain't gonna be on my karma. No. Nope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can get it from somebody else. You ain't. Yeah. Non- know
2: what this bag will do.
1: Yeah, how non-pharmaceutical company
0: was he? That he's no like, and we're shit, like, we want more. This... And
1: he's like, I'm not uh-uh. giving you more. <laughs> I guess he's not the CEO of uh oh. right now. Well, uh, yeah. it was
2: no he just doesn't have that profit motive, does he? That's
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's <laughs> I love that
2: story there.
1: <laughs> oh shit. I listened to one song. They open that show with A C D C bag, and then I go, Well, that was a great concert. Like it was that <laughs> time wasn't time wasn't a thing. Good night, was like, y'all. That song took forever. And I was like, Well, I'll see you guys back at the car. I'm gonna go get the air conditioning going. And they're like, Yeah, that's the first song.
2: Oh shoot. Well, the walk there it took a
1: long time <laughs> <laughs> when you ingested poison. <laughs> fucking ridiculous but yeah it's oh, it's, it's, it's this shit is this I, I, again you know like it's hard for obviously we talk about this stuff and and it's entertainment purposes and we're not giving medical advice and blah 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 but what we are That's saying right. is that like if microdosing is something that like adam tell him what you like like you provide a blend of essential non-psychedelic substances yep Yes,
4: we have a flow state blend that we know works really well stacking with whatever variety of psilocybin you're using. That's Chaga, Cordyceps, Mataki, and Lion's Name. And so we will send the blend to the person I'm working with. They will find the psilocybin on their own, and then we will start low and go slow, which is great advice for all your listeners. We'll probably start at 50 milligrams, or 75, or 100 and we'll start slow on the bottom of the scale. And then they'll stack that with the four other functional mushrooms that I provide for them legally. Again, what we find is less is more. So really start down at the 75 to 100 milligrams. Now the range for psilocybin microdosing is anywhere from 50 milligrams to probably 250 milligrams. Some people, when they're getting into 200, like myself, that's more of a mini dose. So it's important to remember that everybody's unique. Although hundred milligrams might be my sweet spot might not be yours. It might be, but it might not. So we might work for a few days to figure out where their sweet spot is. And then I'm just there to guide them because again, every day is not rainbows and butterflies. There's a lot of hard work that goes into microdosing. There's a lot of Damn. facing stuff you haven't faced your whole life. There's a lot Damn. of stepping into comfort zones you've never stepped into. So more than anything, I'm I'm a community of support for them. And that's what you don't get from a doctor. You get a prescription and then you come back and see them if it doesn't work. But when you're working with me, you get education, guidance, the functional blend, and then I track you and connect you to a community of microdosers that you can relate to.
2: Can you help me out figure out something that I've still I've been actually meaning to ask you this? For years, I never, when I used to uh, trip as a teenager, we used to just do blotter and we would take, I would always take one hit and cut it in half and do that. And then I met these guys later <clears throat> that said that that was probably about 50 micrograms. And so that was my normal dosage, like basically, I think of, I mean, what's normal. Right. But, um, I wasn't tripping very hard. I wasn't seeing like visuals. Like if I closed my eyes, I would see a little fractal stuff, but nothing was, you know, the glass of water didn't change into anything. Uh, And I didn't used to do mushrooms because I was concerned about the dosage. And I also have an upset stomach. That's where my anxiety Mm. manifests. So having that fear, uh, you know, I didn't want to deal with it. But even aside from that part of it, just, I'm wondering what the equivalence is to like, you know, a hit, a hundred microgram hit of acid to like how many milligrams of psilocybin?
4: Great, great question. So let's say that a normal, that one hit was a hundred micrograms, right?
2: So you
4: you got 50 micrograms. 50 micrograms probably is still considered more of a mini dose. Yeah, um, I mean, you can feel it for sure. Yeah. A microdose of LSD is probably about 5 micrograms to 15 micrograms, maybe ah, Yeah. So there are a lot of people that will take a tab and they'll cut it into like 9 or 10 pieces. Yeah. So that They're getting less. So that's another way you can do it. You got to be careful when you're handling the tab. Yeah. You got to have tweezers, squeezers. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. There are other people that will take the tab and they'll drop it in the exact amount of diluted water that it dilutes that 100 uh, micrograms into 10 microdoses or something like that. So there's Mm. also a way you could dilute the hit on the blotter with distilled water. And then Mm. that's the way I've seen most to effectively uh, microdose LSD is I'm able here in the Oakland area where it's decrimmed to get, you know, perfectly diluted microdoses of LSD. But again... it's so tricky. So what I would say is a microdose of LSD is 5 to 15 micrograms, which Very would probably be equal to 100 to 300 milligrams of psilocybin. Those would probably okay. be to three, 1 to, three. Okay. Okay. to 300 milligrams.
2: 100
4: to 300, yeah. And then the interesting thing is they did studies uh, at Beckley Research where they found out that microdosing LSD was actually a great pain reliever. And they did the cold presser water bucket challenge where you put your arm in cold water and they record how long you can keep it in there. Well, they found that 15 micrograms of LSD, which some might consider a mini dose, which I still consider a high-end microdose, actually proved to be more effective than opiates when it came to treating pain. So we already have one study out of Beckley Research in, uh, in England. I think Maastricht University might have been their partners, but they proved that 15 micrograms of LSD was an effective pain reliever compared huh. to opiates. Now, here's another reason it's a better pain reliever compared to opiates is it's non-addictive, non-habit for me. Wait
1: a minute. So
2: for my migraines that I get now that I have kids? Yeah.
1: <laughs> now that I have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think
2: that's why it started all of a sudden
1: five <laughs> years ago,
2: six years ago. <laughs> the I mean, so
4: it seems to coincide. They're finding a lot of success with migraines with the microdosing of mushrooms or truffles in Europe where it's legal in Holland. My friends at the Microdosing Institute, they started their whole mission because his buddy died of cluster headaches. He took his own life after having these suicide Ooh. headaches. And that's how bad... Migraines and headaches for yeah. people. Now they found that small doses of LSD and psilocybin were helpful in reducing the frequency and the intensity of migraines. And there are certain universities in the world right now that are testing this in sort a of double-blind, placebo-based clinical trial. So I also see the future. This is treating all kinds of brain stuff, from migraines to traumatic brain injury. And then even for somebody like your father dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia, I mean, this could be a daily vitamin or nootropic that's giving our people their brains back. It's like well, us
2: it used to be, right? Because people probably ate the stuff all the time. Well,
1: and also, man, I mean, <laughs> look at the people that have done psychedelics a, a, a good portion of their life. They're all alive. They're all like lucid. They're all Doing work and in their 80s and 70s and stuff. When you see other people, you know the cheeseburger and Lexapro kind of path that are, you know, deteriorating way faster. You know, I and mean,
2: you even got that catatonic guy, fucking as a perfect Krippner. I mean, AB, yeah, man, Krippner, Krippner is sharp as hell, man. And what's and his age? 90s. <laughs> he's like I mean, my dad's same age. And he's like very shut down now. My dad was brilliant, man. You know, I wish that, uh, I found out that I could do this before it was acceptable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, even, and I talked to my mother about it, but it was like, and she was, she's more open than most. Like she knew when I actually did it, but that was very recently. And I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's too far gone now or, but a, a lot of it is just that my dad's extremely happy. Like you put on jazz, he's good. He's got if he has control of the remote and he's hearing jazz, that's great. <laughs> so I'm like, there's really nothing to fix, you know. I mean, I would <laughs> like for, I'd like to get them all back so I could interview them just for, you know, for the family history of it and stuff. But I don't know. I think it's really great that that people are going to be able to do that now and yeah. you know autism you know dementia all these things i just i'm all because of johnson just want to do it just to help i know my brain yep. has you know i'm getting old you get old well i need to grow some new pathways you man know? and also
1: i mean look we talk about like you take a punch to the head right you take a, a, a hit to the mat you take a whatever man i think that PTSD the song. life experiences that kick the shit out of you emotionally, oh, that's got to that scar your brain weird. tissue as well. And that shit's just as dangerous, if not more probably than, you know, taking a, you know, whack to the head or time after time, after time, if you keep taking wax to your, you know, state of mind, that shit's got to leave a pretty bad scar too. that. much.
2: I mean, we can. all, this planet is brutal. Yeah, man. I mean, we all have, generational nobody gets out of here yes there's the holocaust there's slavery if you're a native american there's you know there's these grand situations but i mean it's across the board everybody nobody gets out of here without getting beat up no or somebody that they love getting beat up. like you're gonna get traumatized period right i mean being born is traumatic A lot of the time I was the way we do it. I was
1: amazed at how many people shared stories of like when they were going through their guided trips that they went right back to birth and how traumatic an experience like coming through and they they, like would relive their own birth. And that's like, wow.
2: I thought about (laughs) that this morning, man. It was weird because after our show, my birthday was at 157 in the morning. Ah. And uh, I don't know why this year, for some reason. Um, I started to think about like when my mom, well, probably because I remember when Jess was in labor. So I was like, wow, my mom was already in labor. Like, while I'm playing, you know, it's just like she's coming into the rough part right now, you know? Wow. And then we're back on the bus and it's like midnight or whatever. And I'm like, It's almost showtime. Like, it is showtime. She's probably pushing already. Wow. Right? And it's just like, I wasn't thinking, you know, I never thought about like what my mom was going to. I got to call her actually right now. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: thanks again, mom. <laughs> you know?
1: Thanks, Mrs. B. I hope my heart no, wasn't too big. Right. You know?
4: Nothing like being a parent and watching your partner birth your child. Man. To give you respect for your parents. And then each year that my 12-year-old and 7-year-old get older, I have more love for my parents. Because I realize all oh, the shit they had to go through. And I think psychedelics have been really helpful with me in, uh, you know, appreciating my parents and, and realizing how much they had to go through to just be a parent in, in that day and age.
1: Who's this? Uh-oh. Uh-oh,
4: birthday room <laughs> service. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's time to let Otiel go eat his birthday lunch.
4: Absolutely, brother.
1: <laughs> oh, did he leave? Is that out oh. oh, your back? Hey, guys, I'm
2: getting a a birthday cake right
1: now. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Happy birthday to you. Oh, look at this. Should we sing to him, Adam? Eric, come back on. Let's sing happy birthday to to O'Teal. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of chocolate. Happy birthday to you. Unmute, Eric. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear O'Teal. Happy Happy birthday birthday to to you! you. Yeah, all right. Let me. uh, I hope it's one of those Jerry cakes where they put 800 hits in the frosting.
2: Oh no! (laughs) Uh, Wow, you just reminded me. I cannot eat this cake. (laughs) Never trust a prankster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got a day off, bro. (laughs) Eat a micro slice.
2: This is from my wife. I can't eat it. Ah, diamond. <laughs> we'll let you go into what it. room number I was. <laughs> That's so funny. My phone's ringing. Like people. Are... <laughs> Sorry, podcasters. But yeah, it's no. a it's a hopping day over here at the hotel. I can't tell
1: you where I'm at. <laughs> well, let's tell. Let's let Adam tell everybody where they could find you and uh, and how to get a hold of your incredible blend and coaching.
4: Thanks, guys! Happy birthday, Oteal. Thank you for the dead community and all of us that are so blessed to have you playing music again. <laughs> we love you so much. Um, you guys can find me at Flow State Micro on Instagram or flowstatemicro.com. Uh, Eric's going to throw all the links to my Double Blind online class in the show notes. Absolutely, uh, flowstatemicro.com. You can find that all out as well. Love to hear more from you. I got to tell you the story before I go, real quick, Oteo. 15 years ago, I was interviewing for a newspaper a musician named Gib Drool.
2: Gib Drool, I know Gib. Heck and yeah, I said, man.
4: I said, Gib, who is the most amazing band on the planet right now that just blows your mind? And he said, Colonel Bruce and the Aquarium Rescue <laughs> Unit. <laughs> and I had that never was heard that. Back in the day, I lived in Michigan and I said, what's the greatest song ever recorded? And he said, Yield Not to Temptation.
2: Ah, and and, and it, he was probably talking about the original Bobby Blue Bland version. No, he we was talking did,
4: about your version.
2: We did an okay version. A lot of people don't know that "Love Light" and "You'll Not" is actually Bobby Blue Bland. But thank you for that. And uh, here's to you guys and to Bobby Blue Bland and Good Droll. But seriously, man, thank you for being on the podcast because you know we believe in what you're doing and uh we're really happy to help it's helping us i've seen it help a lot of other people and uh helped me a long time ago it put me on the course of my life that i'm you know i wouldn't be here right now (laughs) it wasn't you know in part so thank you man and um thank you for uh continuing that seriously important lineage and uh being our standards and our fadmin you know, our Doblin and Groff and everybody, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you,
1: and, and I could, and I could speak to, I'll, I'll I'll speak to the coaching end of your strengths because you and I have had a lot of conversations on the phone just since, you know, we've had Fadiman on and uh, leading up to this episode. And it's just really cool. You've got an incredible way of like, you know, listening and, uh, and, and, you know, a a good coach or you have like a good coach's vibe. You know what I mean? Like you've got what, if you were my baseball coach, I may have been better at baseball is my point. So I think that you've got a really good way of kind of like, you know, you don't make it about you and that, and that's, you know, extremely important and anything that we can do to help. We're obviously more than, more than willing to do. So thank you so much.
4: Well, thank you, guys. I um, uh, you made a dream come true for me. And I had a vision under the mushrooms one time that told me to come on your podcast. So we have now completed that circle. Thank you so much. That's right. And I'm we so glad o- it's
1: best. I'm so glad O'Teal got the cake that we sent him via oh, no. his <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a prankster. Uh, happy birthday,
4: brother. Thank you. Bill like Cassidy <laughs> says.
2: I may be calling you
4: soon. <laughs> My line's open, bro. Hit me up. I got you. How much Walk for 10 more minutes go. of coaching?
1: How much for 10 more minutes of coaching? <laughs> you guys.
2: Oh, man. Oh I'm going to call God. my Can, wife right now. It's like, get this you, was you right?
1: <laughs> call your later. wife and call your mom. Remember call your mom. Your mom.
2: We'll do that immediately. <laughs> all, all right. All right. You got. Thanks
1: so much. See you later, guys. Later. Uh, see you thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all so right. much.